Welcome to the Australian Property Investment Podcast with your host, Aaron Christie-David. Each episode, we ask an expert to share their key insights for aspiring investors to make confident property choices. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Australian Property Investment Podcast, all about helping you make better property choices. My name is Aaron Christie-David, founder of Atelier Wealth a mortgage broking business specializing in helping property investors. Each week, we invite a special guest on who tend to be a, a thought leader, um, a heavy hitter in their industry, and this week, we're privileged to have uh, Ben Nash grace us with his presence, mate. Ben, thank you very much and welcome. Good day. Ben, you are a, a gun financial planner. Uh, I say that because we've met a, a number of financial planners and you are, mate, you are incredible at what you do. Um, you're the founder of Pivot Wealth the author of Get Unstuck as well, mate, which is incredible. And you specialize in working with clients in their 30s and 40s, really kind of helping them be smarter with their money as well. So just want to head off yourself and say, Ben, what's kind of inspired you? A couple of things, your own journey with starting Pivot Wealth as well and inspired the book, mate, if you can share that with us. So uh, good to be here and uh, and thanks for having me, I Thank suppose. Um, yeah, look, I... Uh, Bit of a weird sort of journey. I when I when I finished high school, I never really knew what I wanted to uh, what I wanted to do. Uh, I thought about going to university, but I had some mates that they went there and then they sort of dropped out and wasted a bunch of time. And I thought, well, that's uh, I don't want to do that. Uh, and I also had a friend that was um, actually a bricklayer, uh, and he uh, he said, "Come work with me for a bit." And I thought, oh yeah, righto. So uh, went off and started making pretty good money for yeah. a, like seventeen and a half year old off back in high school, and I uh, did that for a while. But a couple of years later, I sort of started thinking to myself, well, I, pr- I probably don't want to do this uh, forever. It's pretty <laughs> it, was, it was super fun when I was young, and you know, working sun and uh, get strong, like throwing bricks around. Yeah. But I, I nice tan. Get a bit of a tan. But yeah, I. Uh, I, I figured I didn't want to do it forever, so I was thinking about what to do. And just uh, fortuitously, my my grandma actually gave me this book about a uh, money book called Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, a few of the listeners probably you probably know who he is. He's pretty pretty, pretty yeah. sort of prolific out there. Uh, and yeah, randomly, and then it just sort of struck a chord with me how he sort of demystified some concepts that I'd previously found quite confusing. I suppose everyone wants money. Uh, most people at least yeah uh so yeah i i, I thought it, it really sparked an interest i was always a, a fair bit of a reader so i just started buying more and more books and reading more and more about personal finance and i thought yeah this is this is sort of for me uh decided to go back to university and study commerce so i did that at that time and yeah i sort of really really enjoyed it never never really looked back from there when i got into uni i started thinking that it caught up in that hype around investment banking. You know, students going, on, oh, you want to be a high flyer and they take it these days and you see the guys in their nice suits and all that sort of stuff. But I, I always had, when I went, I, I wanted to do investment advice and, and financial planning. Yeah. And uh, and then when it came time to get apply for grad jobs, I didn't really have any connections or anything in, in the industry or any experience. So I just started applying out and half of them were banking and half of them were in financial planning. and it was a it was a difficult time because you you're trying to keep your grades up so that you get good marks so that you can get a good job. Yeah. But then they're doing all these psychometric tests and it's taking hours and it was uh, it was a huge pain. So I and and I had a sort of an okay resume, so I was getting through a few of the stages and it was taking yeah. 
time and uh, eventually I got offered a job at a um, oof, don't even know if I should say a company called Dixon Advisory uh, and um, and I was happy that I just thought I'll, I'll use that job as a uh, as a stepping stone uh, and get some experience and then and then sort of take that next step yeah uh, and yeah, look, I, I, uh, when I went into the job, the, um, the, the, the work was really appealing and working with different people every day. And, uh, it was, it was interesting. They sort of, it was a bit of a weird one from a financial planning business that they separated. Uh, now the reasons are probably coming a bit more apparent, but they separated the investment advice from the financial advice. And I was in the financial advice team doing all the technical advice, helping people that, was sort of getting to the back end of their careers, getting set up for retirement. That they were, um, they were doing a lot of self-managed super fund business, obviously, but we were doing all the technical strategy advice around yeah. setting up for retirement, um, all that sort of stuff. And I liked the, yeah, my mum was a teacher, so I don't know how much of that she sort of passed down to me. But I feel like, but like a lot of you know, mortgage broking, financial planning, a lot of uh, property advice, buyers, advocacy yeah. advice, that sort of stuff. It's a lot of education Absolutely. for people and everyone's very confused because it's fairly complicated, right? And a lot of people don't have that necessarily that sort of background. So, uh, yeah, I, I just – I love the work and, and got into it. I, I was lucky at that time that uh, there was a lot of room for progression quite quickly and, uh, yeah, it wasn't too long before I started sort of taking on clients myself and – uh, yeah, get, getting that exposure, and I have worked there for uh, yeah for for about three years, and then they actually restructured their entire business, sacked all of their financial advisors, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, it was the highs and lows of corporate life. I mate. know, yeah. I know, right? So uh, yeah, it was it was um, at the time I uh, I thought it was bad, but it was the best thing that ever happened because I left there and went went to work for a small business where I started working with a lot of younger people and the younger people that were setting up i joined this business that was a mortgage broker and a, and a lawyer and they were helping people buy their first homes and really set up their futures i suppose and they brought me in to uh, start the start a financial planning offer for the business so how to help these people with the, on the financial planning side of things uh with their other peripheral areas outside of property and uh, yeah it was really fun i i, I really love the work it was good starting to sort of create something and, and come up with an offer and asking people, you know, what's what's important to you? What are the problems? What, are, what what can we do to help? And, yeah, and then I started, I I, I met, a, a, like, I was working in the industry with a number of other financial planners and we were sort of sharing a bit around what we were doing. And, uh, uh, yeah, a mate by the name of Andrew Shakespeare, he's a planner up in, uh, out of Newcastle. He was showing me a lot of the financial modeling that they were doing. So he was doing a lot of work with, uh, with younger people as well, but helping them understand, you know, we use financial planning software to look at what someone's asset position, what's their, their income, where, where are they spending their money and what's left over? And then what can we do with that? Whether it's buy property or buy shares or contribute to super or whatever the things are. And so, I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like I'm building these models. It was really fun to see like how someone's future could sort of play out. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm showing these people and going like, you know, if you do this, then this is what it looks like. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't say we're always been pretty conservative. We want to make sure that we, we've got a solid dose of reality with, with what we do. But we people weren't getting rich quick, but in, a, in a not too long a time, we could see that they were, you know, going to fairly substantially build their savings and investments and assets. So 
you know, they were excited. I was excited. Um, and, you know, I'd, I'd sort of give them a track to run on and send them on their way. And then people would come back, you know, six months later or 12 months later. And I, at the start, I was all, I actually talk about this in my book that I was all, oh, I was all excited. I was like, great. You know, we're going to have this, this property will be there and the savings balance will yeah. be there and the investments will be there. And, and then we're going to be able to do this other thing and blah, blah, blah. And people come in, but then nobody was on track they weren't they weren't they weren't even close like they they oh, this thing had come up and you know little jimmy needed a uh, braces and mm-hmm. you know this other thing happened yeah, and then right. and then yeah, yeah and uh and so at the first couple i was like oh okay well you know jimmy needs braces of course and jimmy you need that piece of or whatever but um after a while i was thinking well hold on there's something's gone wrong because it's happening to everyone and uh, yeah, I was, I was saying to people, like, what's going on? Like, what's stopping you from doing this? Cause you can see that you can do it. Yeah. You want to do it. Uh, you know what to do, but you're not doing it. So what's the, what's the issue? And, and the feedback that I got was that it was just too hard. Yeah. Uh, no system. So that's where I, I started. Yeah. Like helping, started getting really heavy into people's banking and, and helping them structure their bank accounts in a way to make it easy for them to save and make it easy for them to manage their money. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, started getting some good results from there. It, it, it was a, quite a process and it was, a, you know, a, a five-year journey across multiple businesses. I left that, that company sort of three years after I started and started Pivot Wealth back in 2015. And, uh, it, yeah, but it's been a progression since there. And, and now we've got a, that sort of that banking system that makes it easier for people. But importantly, for things like property, it makes it really easy to, uh, to plan and understand the numbers and yeah. that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I think oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Absolutely. One of the big questions I've got, and a lot of clients will ask us, is property or shares, and they tend to think that they have to do one or the other. Uh, I, I think there's, there's a possibility to do both and do them well. In your experience, when someone asks you, you know, I'm at the crossroads, do I go property or shares? What's your and I'm obviously it's unique to everyone. What's yes, kind of your yes, what's your Last from someone with magnificent beard. Correct. Um, yeah, look, I, I think uh, they both definitely have their place. Uh, I think sometimes people can run into problems by rushing to buy a property when it's not the right time for them, and, and end up too stretched and end up running into trouble. Uh, property uh, shares shares can be a good way to. It's a fairly flexible way to build assets when people are living overseas. Uh, there are some tax advantages of doing that. Sometimes you can do both at the same time. So like debt recycling strategies and, you know, paying down ta- uh, non-tax deductible debt and building up tax deductible debt and buying shares while you pay down your mortgage can be a, a really good strategy yep. as well. But I think that uh, property tends to sort of trump shares in a lot of cases because, because of the gearing benefits. It's not like someone – Someone saves up a hundred grand in a savings account, and and you can choose to either use a hundred grand to buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of shares, or you can use a hundred thousand dollars to buy an eight hundred thousand dollar property yeah. and, and pay your deposit. And then you've got, as long as you choose a good property, you've got this significantly bigger assets. You know, often ten times the size or something like that yeah. that's working for you. So a hundred thousand dollar share portfolio in a lot of cases can't compete with, well, in, in almost every case can't compete with an $800,000 property. So, yeah, that's that's where I think that the 
property has the advantage. The numbers do say when you add up the the rental income and the um, the growth that we've seen in Australian residential property over the last sort of twenty to a hundred years, yeah. the numbers are, are are slightly higher as well. Although it's not an enormous difference, but it's really that that gearing benefit that I think has the advantage. Yeah, perfect. Thank you very much. Another big question is structure. Uh, and where I'm going with this is, do we buy in our individual names and name an investment property? Do we buy this property in our individual names? Do we buy it through a company structure? Do we buy it through a trust structure? Do we buy it through a self-managed super fund, for example? Um, every vehicle has different benefits uh, and unique to everyone as well. But talk us through, like, at what point do you start talking about here's the right structure to maybe buy that next property through? And then what would you, what would you suggest as well? Yeah, look, I think it's really the the answer to that question lies in what the bigger picture strategy is. I think people can fall into the trap of making decisions in isolation and, and look at, you know, is this investment a good investment? Is this property a good property? Should yeah. I buy dead structure? Uh, I think it's hard for onesie twosies on property like to, to know that, yeah, that one structure has the advantage. But if you think about what you want to do bigger picture, over a you know media over the medium to long term, yeah. then that can start to uh, start to drive the yeah the, the the options around the strategy as well. Um, yeah, they all have their advantages. You know, like buying inside structures. There's land tax. There are land tax issues. Yeah. Uh, buying companies, you miss the capital gains tax concession over time. But buying property, we tend to favour a, a sort of a buy and hold approach with property. Property is expensive to buy and sell. The taxes are high. Yeah. So if you if you can set up your property strategy so that you're just building building equity, building assets over time, that's something you can you can leverage as well. So if you're doing that, then that can mean that some options are more or less favourable or more favourable when it comes to structures. But look, I think that really, if you're going to buy a lot of properties. Like you know, four, four or more. Yep. Then looking closely at structures is there's some merit in doing that. If you've got a lot of money, uh, then then there is also merit in doing that. I know you and I have uh, worked together, and a few people in the technology space in, yeah. in Sydney, and and people with startup companies, and they make you know significant money, and then. Then structures, I think, can be a good way where you know, if you know that your taxable income is always going to be more than one hundred eighty thousand dollars a year, yep. then there are some pretty substantial advantages in in structuring things. If you've got a partner that's planning time out of the workforce for children, for example, or even if you you know using corporate beneficiaries or um, parents who who are getting close to retirement, yep. there are ways that you can save you know tens of thousands of dollars in tax by using structures. I don't think there's a blanket approach. I, I think that I think that it's wrong. I think a lot of you know media organisations and different places they're always looking for the rule that everyone should do this or yeah. most people in this situation gets, should do. It this. gets eyeballs, it gets attention, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, I, but I, I I don't think that's the case. I think uh, the right decision for any person depends on them, where they're at now, what, how they see their situation changing over mm-hmm. time, and what's important to them as well. So, there's definitely benefit there, but. No one size fits all approach. I think, uh, in my very biased view, I think it can sometimes be hard speaking to accountants about structures because they clearly have a vested interest in you using structures. So, although that being said, my my own accountant, 
he is against using trusts for for property, but some people I think yeah they can, they can that sometimes have a vested interest in you doing it, and you think about the strategy and it just it just doesn't make sense. So looking at the numbers and you know what what are the benefits? It can be quite complicated. So you probably complicated, will. conflicting. I mean, I always go back to this analogy that you ask a mortgage broker, you ask a financial planner, an accountant, yeah. a buyer's agent, friends, family, parents, listen to the media. Um, you will get 10 sets of conflicting advice about how to buy that one investment property. And you kind of send that complexity becomes the enemy. People don't take any action because they're so overwhelmed with that much information. Um, Their own mortgage broker, their own financial plan, their own accountant can't seem to agree. What does that do to a client's mindset, right? And how to buy that next property as well. Yeah. All this information is out there these days. It's all just a keystroke or 10 away Mm -hmm. on the internet. But it's like everyone's drinking from the fire hose and the more opinions you get, the more options you consider, the less likely you are to make a decision. There's a lot of research out there that shows that. So I think you, you've you got to choose the people that you ask wisely. Yep. Don't ask people that haven't done it before. Absolutely. Like, you know, we see people that talk and, and for a lot of younger people. Well, again, their their financial, well, again, the financial plan, either, you know, advice from Facebook or maybe Parents, yeah, for example, right? People kind around the water court cool, cool, yeah. that have never done it before, or parents even that have that have grown up in a, in a completely different generation that have completely different objectives, and yeah. it, and you know a lot of young professionals these days, uh, their incomes are significantly higher than their parents' incomes will ever be, and they they're going to be much more financially well off. So there's no point. Well, it's it can be create issues when you are asking folks for what they should do when they're you know yeah not, it's a it's a different it's a different time it's a different world essentially yeah thanks very much and, and just on that point about choices uh, i know you you really have a soft spot for kind of how do you cut through the noise and then work with clients to make good choices so can you just kind of elaborate on that for us manica your approach it's somewhat yeah. unique you don't think it is but i think uh, i don't think it should be unique yeah. but I think you, you're right that it, that it is to a degree that, but really, I think that strategy should come first for property. Property is an emotional decision. Yeah. It's 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 almost impossible to look at to buy a property, whether it's your own home or an investment, especially if it's an investment, without having some sort of emotional attachment. You're wondering, you know, would you live in this property? Who are the tenants that would live in this property? Um, what is it going to do over time? Or if you're buying as your own home, even worse, like. How's it going to feel? What color will I paint the feature wall? Mm-hmm. All of the things. Uh, so people can get, they start to think through these things first and then they get set on down a, uh, with a particular course of action and then they try to wrap a strategy around uh, the, the thing that they think is okay. Whereas we try to take a, a more objective approach where first look at, well, why are we actually doing this? And I yeah. had this conversation like most days. Uh, that where I, and I, I said to a client yesterday, she said, uh, I want to, I, you know, well, I said, what does success look like? Like in three years for you to be blown away with where you're at and what's going on. What is it? What's important to you? What is it that yeah. you want to say? She said, oh, we want to be living in our own home, uh, be setting up for a family. And then I'll let her, and then she kept going. And afterwards, after she'd finished, I said, we spoke a little bit more. And then I said, why, why is that important to you when you say your own home? She said, well, well that's just, I don't know. I like. I feel like it's security, and I say, well, okay, but is it security, or is if there was another decision that made good financial sense, that made better financial sense, mm-hmm. would you do that? And and in the end, she said, well, yeah, actually, it's not the important thing. It's just that it's sort of ingrained in us. And I think again, going back to that generational thing that our parents say, 
buy the property, you can yeah. touch it. Like, yeah, everyone knows what a property is. Share market's scary. Yeah. Super funds don't trust them. Yeah. Um, you know, but you, you should just buy a property, which, look, as I, I've, I've already said that I think property is a very good investment. Yeah. Uh, so there's not to take away from that, but it's not the only investment. And buying your own home is not the only course of action and uh, often not always the best course of action. I've seen people that have overextended themselves way too far end up in a bunch of trouble uh, as a result of, of trying to get their, what they see in their mind as the ideal property. Um, so, we're, we're, yeah, when we focus on it, we try to we try to take the motion out of it, uh, start with the numbers, look at what makes sense, you yeah. know, where, um, how much should you spend, how much should you borrow, how should you structure your purchase. Is an investment on your own home, What makes what's the difference between those two options? And then how does that feel to you as well? Because... While the emotion is not the most important thing, it is important. So we try to find a, find a strategy where you're getting a good balance between the financial benefits and the, the emotional peace of mind, confidence levels, stress levels. And then, and then you can go, once you've got your strategy set, you can ruthlessly execute on your strategy. Having someone, so keep them accountable as well, regular check-ins. You know, well, yeah. Well, well, making, making sure that it works because the a plan's great, but you know, anyone that the, the process of planning is valuable to, yeah. to entice out what you want. But when the, you know, when you're planning, you know, the least about what's actually going to happen. So it's good to be there to, we find it a lot with, you know, we work together with a number of clients yeah. and uh, they think, oh, I'm going to spend this much. And then they end up like, oh, I found a bargain. I can get something a bit cheaper or, or I, I really need to push up a bit because yeah. I, I can't get there. Does that still fit? Is it still appropriate? It's not going to throw us out with all the other things that we want to do. Mm-hmm. So I think that knowing that you've got, yeah, that you, your, as a strategy evolves, that it's consistent with what you want to be doing long term. Really great message, mate. Really clear in, in what you're saying. So, mate, thank you very much for sharing your knowledge, your insights, your tips. Um, mate, it's incredible what you've been doing at Pivot Wealth, mate. So well done. Keep it up. Um, that's been a wrap for this week. Thank you very much for listening. As we always say, uh, our discussion is of a general nature. We do not know your financial situation. So if you do want financial advice, uh, feel free to reach out to Ben. Uh, His details will be in the show notes below. Also, if you found this episode helpful, please feel free to leave us a review, give us some feedback as well, or share with your friends and family. Thanks very much. Until next time, have a great week. Bye.